Well, tonight, uh, this is actually going to be uh, something that I was thinking about the last time that I preached. I was actually a little bit worried that I was going to go too long, and I think I only went for about 20 minutes. So uh, maybe I should have put this at the beginning of that message, but instead I guess I'll share it tonight. And I think as more of a Wednesday night message anyways, um, I, like I said last time, I think it's really important that we... Uh, incorporate into uh, the gospel and the preaching of the Word of God, um, also application to uh, current events and everyday life, although you don't want to, I think, make that the, uh, the primary uh, goal of your preaching, but it should always be in there. Um, as many of you know, my wife and I are both nurses. We I've been in the healthcare system now for a long time, and it's hard to believe that you know I've been in the healthcare system now uh, like 23, 24 years. <laughs> hard to believe that I've been working that long, but I, I have, and I've seen a lot of uh, a lot of things in in those years. And uh, of course, uh, Danielle, her working in the school system, uh, there's all kinds of a tragedy and everything, but one of the things that's interesting, I've talked about this before, moving from uh, Newark, uh, you know, in my late teen years, and then coming back, being away for about 20 years, I mean, other, you know, coming back and forth for church and stuff like that, but coming back to the city, it just, man, I tell you, 21st Street just blew me away when I really came down 21st Street and started looking around at all these marijuana dispensaries and all these vape shops and all this stuff that's going on. And, I mean, it, it just, as a Christian it, it, and as a father, it makes me angry. And it's hard not to, uh, I think, get angry. I got an ad the other day from, and I saw, you know, one of the vape shops here in town had an ad and it was just, you know, this cartoon character, this, you know, cute little cartoon girl having so much fun, smoking her vape and all that stuff. And I'm like, you tell me that they're not advertising this to, to young children. You tell me. You cannot tell me, looking at that ad, that that is not being advertised to children. We see it all over our schools today. You know, as a healthcare professional, you know, I, I, I try to tell uh, people that, that I work with, I try to remind my own kids, too, you know, that we don't know what those vapes and all that stuff is going to do to your lungs. You know, it's funny because much of my job involves protecting people at work from inhaling chemicals, and then we sell chemicals on 21st Street to inhale directly into your lungs, that we would probably be, people would be complaining about if they were inhaling those same chemicals in the workplace. Crazy. So anyways, I wanted to talk a little bit tonight about a Christian view on the legalization of marijuana. And uh, I think it's something, it's, it's fairly straightforward, I think, but in some ways maybe it's not as straightforward as, you know, as we, we would believe as well. Of course, we know on uh, November 7th of this year, Ohio voters, they approved uh, state issue number two, which 
pressed essentially the state legislature to legalize the recreational use of marijuana. Now that's actually supposed, it's from the things that I read, supposed to take effect tomorrow. Um, I don't know that it's going to. I know that there's a lot of uh, legalities that have to be taken care of uh, first, but essentially uh, the, our governor and our legislators feel that they have been given a mandate by 57% of the voters that, have, that voted for it to legalize not just medical use, but the recreational use of marijuana. Um, I remember it's probably about, been about 10 years ago, and I was sitting in a, uh, in a conference room at my old employer. Uh, you know, I've worked in the medical department there, and we had to, had to sit down with our legal team to discuss what was coming when they first passed the medical use of marijuana. And of course, you know, they told us all, don't worry, because Ohio is getting ahead of the game, and they're putting all of these uh, stipulations into place that only those who are uh, terminally ill uh, would be getting a prescription for this. You know, fast forward 10 years and every, almost, I wouldn't say every, but a lot of the people that um, I spoke to in the new hire process, you know, they're, they're, you know, hey, by the way, I got a card for that, I got a card for that, I got, you know, and of course I had to tell them, you know, the, the normal policy of no use. Um, so given, you know, our current postmodern cultural shifts towards a relativistic view of truth, you know, your truth and morals is every bit as good as my truth and morals. You make up your own, I'll make up my own, and we'll all just get along together. Yeah, that's probably not going to work, right? But seeing that, uh, that that's kind of how our society has shifted, we also, it's, it's explainable too because many and in increasing numbers are not claiming any religious affiliation whatsoever. You know, every time they do one of those surveys, you know, that number of people that say that they attend a church or believe in uh, God, let alone Jesus Christ, goes down and down and down. So I'm not really surprised that issue two uh, passed. And it was interesting, you know, to read some of the comments, and this comes from the NBC4 uh, website, that those that were supporting the measure, you know, they were claiming that this, of course, would provide veterans and patients with access to medical marijuana, which they really already had. You know, it would put an end to the marijuana black market because now there's going to be the state commission that's regulating and taxing the industry just like there is for alcohol. And they even went as far to say that the measure would help keep marijuana out of the hands of children. How nice. But, you know, given uh, all the very generous home grow provisions that were also put into that legislation, you know, I can imagine that that's going to be about as effective as smartphones have been at keeping, you know, children from being exposed to pornographic content and, and all the exploitation and stuff that has gone on with that. But, you know, I don't want to be accused of creating a straw man argument here. So, you know, if you want some fairly balanced views on the effects of marijuana, I would, would not probably just go do a plain Google search. 
you're probably going to find a lot of bias um, with that, but however, uh, you know, the National Institutes of Health, which is, believe it or not, a, uh, a governmental organization from the federal government, uh, has a cannabis research report which summarizes a lot of the current research on marijuana use. And even they, you know, they say that they're, they're saying there's still a reason why federally the drug remains an illegal substance. And that's understandable given that the federal government is in charge of regulating people who drive those 18-wheel semis that you're seeing going down the road at 70 miles an hour next to you. They're also in charge of regulating the people that fly the airplanes that we ride on, that operate the nuclear power reactors, and they say we cannot allow people to be under the effects of, of marijuana. That report, it continues and it says that, you know, research has shown that marijuana's negative effects on attention, memory, and learning can last for days or weeks after the acute effects of the drug wear off, depending on the person's history with the drug. Consequently, someone who smokes marijuana daily may be functioning at a reduced intellectual level most or all of the time. You know, probably not the state that you or I would like our airline pilot on the next plane that we get on to be under, right? <laughs> That report had also cited 48 studies which found marijuana use to be associated with reduced educational attainment. That means reduced chances of a, a teenager graduating. You know, a recent analysis of data, it says, from Australia and New Zealand, they found that adolescents who used marijuana regularly were significantly less likely than their non-using peers to finish high school or to obtain a degree they also had a much higher chance of developing dependence, uh, using other drugs, attempting suicide. And several other studies have linked heavy marijuana use to lower income, greater welfare dependence, unemployment, criminal behavior, and lower life satisfaction. And for all those negative effects, there's many that we are yet unaware of. Because believe it or not, with marijuana having been a illegal substance, for so long, very little research was really done on it. So does it cause uh, or increase your chance for getting cancer? We don't know. You know, is it truly that gateway drug to further drug use? I'd, we don't know. You know, does it alleviate or does it cause mental disorders? There are some people that are taking marijuana because they think it's going to make them feel better, and it does for a short period of time. And it's interesting because it, it seems like, you know, many... Uh, Many times when I've seen uh, severe mental health disorders, you know, people have been heavy marijuana users. Is that because of the mental health disorder, or is it be that what's, that's what led to that? We don't know. And then, of course, they can't say, you know, how much roadway safety and, and the such is going to be impacted. So, you know, what should the Christian, just given that much, what should the Christian's take on marijuana be? You know, first, I, I have to point out that there are some legitimate uses and legitimate medical applications. So before you get angry and, and say, you know, absolutely not in no circumstance, you know, there are a lot of cancer patients 
that have used it medicinally uh, with, with better success than other medications that uh, incapacitated them. And also, you have to think of a lot of the other drugs that we don't seem to have any problem with. If you've ever had a surgery, or you've ever broken a bone, or you've ever had dental work done, you probably took a substance that was called an opioid, right? We hear of the opioid epidemic, morphine, codeine, Vicodin, you know, things like that. And we enjoy the pain-killing effects when we need it of those medications. But really, the recreational use is a, a whole ball, new ball of wax. It's not something that's in that medicinal realm. I believe most Christians would say that you know, the Bible does not prohibit uh, medicines or the use of substances, uh, especially for those that are dying uh, to use uh, substances which you know, affect the, the level of pain that they're having and to alleviate that and alleviate their suffering. But I like what uh, Jeff Lacine says here regarding recreational use. He's a pastor in, uh, in Portland, I believe it's Portland, Oregon, where marijuana has been allowed for a very long time. And he says, even though cannabis is never directly mentioned in Scripture, he says we do have God-revealed principles to guide and to direct our thinking about its recreational use. We often get help on specific questions when we keep our eyes on the big picture. So what is the end game for the Christian life? What should we be aiming at in all of these things? And he says in big letters here, the Christian use of any substance should align with the goal of looking to see things clear. So as, subs, or as Christians, our goal is knowing and experiencing the full and undistorted reality of the glory of God in our resurrected physical bodies. This is our trajectory as Christians. We're not heading to nothingness, as some religions would claim. We're not heading to, uh, to some state where we... We can't even discern, you know, where we're at or what, what's going on. But our trajectory as Christians is to the state of knowing and experiencing God's glory fuller and fuller each and every day, uh, even then into heaven. So this is our aim. God is glorious beyond measures, and Christians are seeking to experience the reality of His glory for the sake of His glory. Sin has distorted our vision and corrupted our world. Ever since sin first entered the world, all of us have become spiritually dead, unable to discern the true glory of God. When we experience the redemptive work of Christ through the Holy Spirit, we are awakened to the reality and the beauty of God. But until we see Him face to face, we still see His glory as through a glass dimly. As redeemed believers, we are on a journey to knowing God without obstruction. Therefore, we do not want to distort reality. Rather, we aim to know God as He really is. We want to see things in this life as they really are. The Christian use of any kind of psychoactive substance should always align with this gospel goal 
of looking to see things clear. We do not want our vision of reality distorted. So he says, well, what about, what about marijuana then? He says, is there a prop, proper and moderate use of marijuana that can actually serve to clarify and point to biblical realities? This is a pastor that's getting these questions, okay? He lives in an area that's soon going to look like our area, and he's getting these questions. Well, pastor, I smoke this stuff, and it makes me see God clear. <laughs> but he says, is that really the case, or does the recreational use of marijuana always distort? And he cites, really goes back to those studies I was talking about, that regular marijuana dolls individuals into a long-term, slow, and subtle numbness. And he says, I believe both from research and experience that recreational cannabis distorts reality and numbs people to the ability to experience life as it truly is. Even a relatively small amount of THC, which is that active chemical in marijuana, puts the infrequent user into a fog. A larger amount can potentially cause paranoia. And he says there's a reason that marijuana has been associated with the couch, a bag of potato chips, and a television remote. Or he said, I'll put it another way. Marijuana has never been associated with engaged parenting. He says regular marijuana use causes disengagement, dulling individuals into a long-term slow and subtle numbness. If you ask almost anyone who has formerly used cannabis on a regular basis, he will speak about this phenomenon. To confirm this testimony, studies have shown a high correlation between regular cannabis use and the clinical diagnosis of anti-motivational syndrome. So yes, there is apparently such a thing. That's a di psychiatric diagnosis. Anti-motivational syndrome. Other no, otherwise known as laziness. <laughs> so he says, it doesn't surprise me when a regular marijuana user tries to refute the reality of cannabis, cannabis's reality-numbing effect. When you are in the numbing cloud of regular cannabis use, it's hard to realize that you are in such a cloud. Even when it is obvious to close friends and family, Cannabis may distort reality in a more subtle way for the regular user than the occasional user, but the subtlety of it makes the negative effects all the more insidious and deep. So as I was looking at this, this is, uh, this is kind of what I was thinking about. This other aspect of this, I see the whole world is just running after these mind-numbing experiences. And I have to ask, why? Why all of a sudden do we need mind-numbing medications, recreational items, experiences? And it's just simply, you know, I believe, just to escape the realities of the consequences of the sin that is running rampant in our society. I mean, I, I hear stories from my wife almost every day. I don't know how she does the job. It just about breaks your heart to know what's going on in our community right here. 
There are consequences to sin. And I think a lot of these things used to be hid in a Christian-like society. We're beyond that now. You know, we're in this postmodern society. It's, it, you know, it's coming out of the woodwork, and now people are seeing the consequences. They're not only seeing it, but they're feeling personally the consequences. And let me find something to get me away from those consequences. And I was thinking, is that what the Christian, though, is called to do? And it's, made, it's been a while since I, I've heard uh, this portion of Scripture, but I think it's more relevant and it gets more relevant to us day by day by day. We are called instead to separate ourselves from this world. We're in the world, but not of the world. You know, some will see this as a running away. Well, Troy, you're just advocating running away from all the problems that's out there. But I want you to listen closely to 2 Corinthians 6, uh, 14 through 18. Listen to what the believer is actually doing here, what we're being called to do. And Paul tells us here in verse uh, 14, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14, do not be unequally yoked with believers. He's speaking to Christians. He's speaking to us today. This is for the modern reader just as much as it was for the first century reader. We've got to understand that. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Are you dating somebody that's an unbeliever and you're claiming to be a Christian? That's in there. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? What accord has Christ with Belial? Or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Therefore, the Paul's given us instructions there, therefore, Go out from their midst and separate from them, says the Lord, and touch no unclean thing, and then I will welcome you. I will be a father to you, and you will be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord God Almighty. I said, Paul, actually, that's God's, God's telling us that. But look, we're separating ourselves from the world, not to just separate ourselves. We're separating to go to the Lord, to be a part of God's fold. So we're not called just to some, we're just not called just to separate, but we're called to separate ourselves to God, to attach ourselves to the Lord God Almighty. And listen here, it says, you know, we believers, we are we are believers. He says, we are of Christ. We are the temple of God. We are righteous. We are light. But we are not darkness. We are not darkness. Remember he said, light, darkness, the two don't go together. So listen to this. John 3, 19 says that men 
only dwell in darkness because their deeds are evil and they fear having them judged by the light of God. I'm paraphrasing. They love their sin too much. So therefore they dwell in darkness. However, the song, and that sounds like, that's fine, I'll dwell in darkness. I don't need God. But the psalmist balances that out. That's what I always like to find. Where's the balance in the Bible? And it, it's almost always there. And here you see the psalmist, he balances this out in Psalm 107.10, and he notes that all those who dwell in darkness are not happy there. He says they're miserable in the shadow of death. He says they're prisoners in misery and chains. They can't get out. And Paul in Ephesians 5.8, he tells us, that we are called as Christians to live in the light and to turn from darkness. But how is that going to be possible to somebody who's stuck in darkness and in their sin? Well, Luke, he gives us an answer to that in chapter 1, verse 79. He says that Jesus, the Son of God, was given to us who sit in darkness in the shadow of death. Right there in the beginning of Luke's gospel, he's giving us the answer that Jesus came to loose us from this darkness and the shadow of death that we sit under. In Colossians 1.13, it says that we are rescued from the domain of darkness. We're rescued from darkness. And finally, the psalmist, he tells us in 112 verse 4, that when the upright go from darkness to light, he will become gracious and compassionate and righteous. Righteous. We'll have a right standing before God in Jesus Christ. What a better promise that is than the drugs of the world. You know, mother, father, young man, young woman. Doesn't God's way sound better than the numb your brain out and disconnect from reality approach the world's trying to sell you? You want a good sermon? I recommend it. Anybody in here, I recommend it to anybody, but anybody in here under the age of 30, I recommend this sermon by John Piper, and he also made it into a book. Don't waste your life. And it's interesting, actually, it could, it could apply to those entering retirement, too, because that's what he's saying. He, he gives two examples. He gives an example of uh, two ladies. One of them was in his congregation. They were in their 80s. One was a nurse. One was a doctor. They went, I believe, to Cam Cameroon, somewhere in Africa. I don't know where it was at. They were ministering to the poor. They, they were doing the work of God all the way up into their 80s. They were driving to a village somewhere. And as they were coming down the mountain in their vehicle, their brakes failed and they went right over the cliff and into eternity. And he said, is that a wasted life? He said, can you sit here and tell me that those two ladies today are standing in the presence of God and wondering if they wasted their life? He said, I'll show you what wasting your life is like, and it's, it's powerful. you gotta, you got to listen to it. And he says, I'll show you what wasting your life is, and he reads the story of 
of, I don't know, make up their names, Bob and Jane or somebody who retired early at like, you know, 50 years old and now they're collecting seashells on the shores of uh, Florida and they're, uh, and they're uh, you know, they own a yacht and they're playing softball and and, and it, he's so dramatic because he says, you know, what's, what's Bob and Jane or whatever I said their names or what are they going to do when they get to heaven before God Almighty and they answer for their life and they say, look, God, here's my yacht. I got a great, I got a great swing. He said, I'll show you what a wasted life looks like. And I'm telling you, young people that are getting on this stuff, going nowhere you're going nowhere they're doing many are doing nothing numbing your brain numbing your reality disconnecting from reality and that's just what the devil wants you to do so you will love your darkness you'll sit in darkness the rest of your life I mean, it, it, speaking, it, it makes me frustrated and, you know, I don't know, angry and everything. That this is what our nation, this is what our city, not even our nation, this is what the streets of Newark, Ohio are becoming. A wasteland. God has better things for the one who will leave the darkness for the light. Ephesians 5, uh, 6 through 21, it says, you know, Paul, he's speaking again to believers, and he's saying, and I think he's, he could see speaking to maybe some young people that are not sure whether you should follow Jesus Christ or not. He said, you know, let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath, of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Look, the sons of disobedience sitting there in darkness are not going to sit there forever. They're earning their wages. The wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not... Listen to what he's saying. Don't become partners with them. For at one time you were in darkness, but now you are in the light of the Lord. Walk as children of the light. One of the things that I like about Ephesians, the fifth chapter, we should preach it more because it talks about what we should do once we are Christian. Do you understand that our life, you understand, I know you do, our life changes. And it should change. It must change. Because now we're walking in the light of the Lord. We're walking as children of the light. He says, for the fruit of the light is found in all them that is good and right and true. He says, I want you to try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful to even speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Look carefully then how you walk. Not as the unwise, but walk as the wise. 
making the best use of the time because the days are evil. We're not going to have forever to do good. We're not going to have forever to serve the Lord on this earth. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And then this goes along with this. Do not get drunk with wine. We could just put, don't get stoned. (laughs) For that is debauchery. But be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Boy, that's something you can't do when you're high, when you're numbed out of your mind. How are you going to give thanks always for everything to God and the Father? How are you going to help your brother and sister I think God has a better way. Thank the Lord indeed. Thank the Lord indeed. Listen, I, I, you know, people maybe even in here will come up and they'll make ten arguments for, you know, why why marijuana's not that bad. I've heard them. I've heard them. But I haven't seen many people that that use it frequently. That have a lot of motivation. And I'm telling you, I don't use it. And I, I find it, does, I mean, I'm sure a lot of you too, find it hard at the end of the day to be motivated to do the things you're supposed to do. I can't imagine what I would do if, if I had something else that was demotivating me. We don't need less motivation in this day and in this hour. We need more motivation. Why? That's probably why we're supposed to be gathering ourselves together, so we're encouraging one another. We're hearing the Word of God. And we're moving forward. We're glorifying Jesus Christ. That's what we're here to do. You know, people, they want to know, well, what's, what's the purpose of life? And, you know, they search for it. And it's in, I know we don't use the Westminster Catechism, but, you know, it's in. That's the first question. And we're here to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. We're here to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. If you want to know what your purpose in life is, it's answered right there in just a a sentence. I wish I had a nice little quip. Our Sunday school uh, lessons, they always have a nice little quip at at the end. And I can't think of anything that rhymes right now. Don't get stoned, go home. I don't know, you know. (laughs) But, you know, maybe we want to go home. That's it. We want to go home to heaven to be with Jesus Christ our Lord. So why don't we pray? And then I I, I don't think there's any song to be sung (laughs) at this point that's going to go along with this message. But... Let's pray and be dismissed. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we do not have to escape reality, Lord, that, but through Jesus Christ, one of these days, we're going to escape this world. And Lord, through Jesus Christ, we've escaped the power of sin. 
And Lord, we're thankful, Father, and we know that, you know, many that are bound by these drugs, Lord, that we see in the city, Father, they know and they feel the heavy burden of sin. Lord, it doesn't matter what they take and what they ingest, what they smoke, what they do, where they go, who they're with. Lord, we know that at the end of it all is just the same misery, Father, the same prison, the same shadow of death, the same chains, Father. Lord, we pray in the name of Jesus that you would release these people from their chains. Lord, we pray for conviction to fall first upon your church, Father, that we would have a heart for these people, but secondly, upon the people that are selling, that are propagating this stuff in our very community, Father. It's an affront to you, Father, and it's a affront to you, Lord, to have a church that doesn't stand, that does not glorify you, Lord, in the face of all of this. And Lord, we just pray that you would give us strength, give us courage, give us clarity of mind and speech, Father, to glorify you, Father, before all of those. Lord, these are, these are the mission field. These are not people that we despise or that we hate, Lord, but Father, they're the people that you died for, and I don't know how we're going to reach them. I don't know what we can say. I don't know what we can do, but Lord, if there's something, even a small thing, Father, Lord, let us do it. Father, I pray that you would just move upon all of us and upon this city, Father. Lord, help us, Father, as a congregation. Lord, you know we need good leadership, Father. We need your word. We need togetherness, Father. Keep us, Lord, even as we see that day approaching, Father. Protect us, we pray. We know the, the devil is out there. He's trying to get us. Help us, Lord, to stay sober, to stay, stay vigilant, Father. Lord, that we would not be caught. Oh, God, I pray that you would just bless us. Bless our children, Father. Bless those that are in these schools. Bless our teachers, our uh, our administrators, the people that are uh, ministering to our children, Father. Lord, if they don't know you as their personal Lord and Savior, we pray first for that, for all of these people that are dealing with our precious children. Father, we just pray for their personal salvation. We pray for your spirit in the halls of those schools, Lord. Father, that many would be saved. Lord, we don't we don't know how, but by the gospel. And Father, help us to get the word out, we pray. We ask this in Jesus' name.